0: Despite the fact that the South Carolina Gamecocks are 7-4, and facing another top five team in Clemson on Saturday, is there actually a chance that the Gamecocks are overlooking the Clemson Tigers? Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedincom slash college. That's linkedincom college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. We are your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. So let's go on ahead and dive on right into what I alluded to at the beginning of the show, which is a question that may surprise some of you, but this is something that is actually being asked by a certain group of people. Is South Carolina going to be confident or cocky coming into the Clemson game on Saturday afternoon? Now, before we dive into the weeds with this question, we need to get this part out of the way. There is a school of thought in sports that when a team gets blown out or subsequently maybe a team wins a game by a massive margin that they're going to sort of fall near the middle of the spectrum the following week due to the law of averages and taking in some of the highs and lows from the emotional side of things from the previous weekend. Now, the thing about having this school of thought in terms of college football, especially where you get the best of both worlds in terms of balancing the emotional reaction from these kind of games is what happens when a rivalry game is in play here. Now, for South Carolina, who hasn't defeated the Clemson Tigers since 2013, don't worry, won't mention that statistic again, they have no reason to be cocky. Literally none. But the Gamecocks do have a reason to have a healthy amount of confidence coming into this game. And this is due to reasons both on their end and Clemson's end as well. Let's start off with South Carolina real quick. South Carolina showed a ton of promise on both sides of the ball against Tennessee last weekend. And here's the thing. And South Carolina fans know where I'm going to go with this. There's already a narrative that has been created, not by everyone in college football. I'm not going to get out like everyone's saying this. But there's a certain faction of media pundits and fans from opposing fan bases alike who are sitting there and are now turning around and saying, well, it's pretty clear that Tennessee wasn't a top-five team. It's pretty clear that their defense is just a bunch of hot garbage. If South Carolina can put up 63 points on the Tennessee Volunteers, well, then anyone just about that has any good talent on that side of the ball can put up that amount of points. The thing is, no one in the history of Tennessee football since the bowl errors began like in the 1930s, or maybe the 1900s, has scored more points against the Vols than South Carolina did this past Saturday. So if you hear anyone say that it's because Tennessee's defense is just that bad, just be sure to throw out that statistic. And it's frustrating that you have to fight this narrative in the first place if you're a South Carolina fan, because again, South Carolina won this game handedly. We've been over this. They didn't need five turnovers from the defense in order to get themselves great field position on multiple drives to win this game. They did not need to block one or two punts or score a special team's touchdown to change the momentum in like the third quarter to win this game. South Carolina just went out there, lined up, and just were flat out better in every single aspect of the game against Tennessee. So, any of you, anyone out there, you know, any Clemson fans who are listening to this show right now, any Tennessee fans, any of you who are sitting there and going to try to say, well, Tennessee wasn't very good in the first place, just to make yourself feel better about the fact that South Carolina just walloped them like they did, keep trying to convince yourself of that, because that is just flat out not what took place on Saturday night. South Carolina's defense did a really good job as well, and again, look, 38 points normally That's something that you're going to be disappointed with if you're a defense. But against the Tennessee Volunteers, who, again, have made a living this season out of scoring points in bunches against their opponents, quite honestly, they were, in in effect, they were shut down to a certain extent just based on their standards. Think about this. Tennessee had to score two of their touchdowns on four down plays. They scored, I believe, their third or fourth touchdown at the end of the first half, off of a tipped pass from Sharad Green, which 9 times out of 10, when a ball is tipped like that, it is not going to fall into the hands of the intended target in the first place. And of course, they also scored a garbage time touchdown right at the end of the game. I believe it was a pass from Joe Milton to Cedric Tillman. So, you take all that into account, South Carolina, yeah, they gave up 38 points, but the box score doesn't tell the whole story, with just how much Tennessee had to fight to earn 38 points against South Carolina's defense. Now, I've talked about South Carolina's side of things for why they should be confident in a healthy way in this game. Let's talk about Clemson now. I've kind of alluded to this as this week has gone on, but Clemson is not the same Clemson. Now, do not take that statement that I just made and run with it and twist it to make it out like I'm basically saying Clemson's going to turn to a 5-6 win program starting next year. Not saying that. They're still really good. Clemson is no longer a team where you can just chalk up wins and say they're going to cover spreads like you could with them three or four years ago. They're no longer that kind of football team. They at the very minimum have to earn the majority of their wins. Now, they still have enough talent and experience at the moment to where they're still able to find ways to win football games, even if they don't play the best brand of football that... Maybe they've gotten used to over the last 10 years. But the point is, Clemson's just not a team that's going to go out there and just steamroll anybody in the regular season like they did when Deshaun Watson was there and when Trevor Lawrence was there. That's just not the case anymore in Clemson. And when you start to see some of this talent on the defensive side of the ball trickle out, it'll be interesting to see how much they're going to be able to offset all of those losses. So, My final point being with this entire conversation. The idea that South Carolina is going to waltz into Clemson on Saturday afternoon and be arrogant, thinking that they're going to easily beat Clemson. If you think that, you're kidding yourself. And I don't mean this as a shot to South Carolina. I know for some Gamecock fans listening to this right now, it might come off that way. But I don't mean it in that sense. What I mean by saying all of this is is that South Carolina understands that Clemson is a different animal. That Clemson, again, has done well in the series recently for obvious reasons. Because South Carolina has not come ready to play. So, because of all that, and you include the fact that this is the rivalry game for both of these teams. Yes, South Carolina fans do not like Georgia. Clemson fans might not like Florida State. Or NC State, for that matter. But they're not their biggest rivals. South Carolina and Clemson. It's the Palmetto Bowl. These two schools do not like each other. It is this state's version of Alabama and Auburn. Okay? So, taking all that into account. Yeah, there's no way in heck South Carolina is coming into this game on Saturday cocky. But they sure as heck will be confident. And Clemson does need to worry about that without a doubt. Now, in terms of Clemson. We talked about their offense on our Tuesday show, but what does their defense look like? Obviously, their defense still has a lot of talent, but they are being led by a new defensive coordinator this season in Wes Goodwin. So, has there been any changes made schematically to this Tigers defensive front in particular? I'm going to touch on all that in just a few moments, but before I do so, I want to remind y'all that today's show is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. Now, if you're a small business owner or manager that feels like the hiring process is a high-stakes wager because you want access to the best qualified candidates available, well, it's easy to feel that way, especially with everything that's going on right now. But there's an easy way to get around this conundrum, and that's by using LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. When you use LinkedIn Jobs... You can create a job post in minutes to reach both your own personal network and the worldwide professional network that consists of 810 million people. You can also add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile, which helps to find the right people that fit the job description to a T, using tools like screening questions to filter through candidates and populate the right team member to help you finish out the year strong during the holiday season. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers are visiting LinkedIn? Get in on the action today and post your job for free at linkedin.com slash That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions still apply. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Once again, I want to thank you all for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen. After this show ends, for your next listen, I would like for you to go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, where the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day all take place. The Locked On Sports Today podcast is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts Daily, Okay, so again, we talked about Clemson's offense on the Tuesday show. Now, let's dive into the unit that Clemson is most synonymous with, and that is the defensive side of the ball. Now, I did watch the Florida State game also to get an idea of what Clemson's defense is going to bring to the field this time around in the Palmetto Bowl. Now, in terms of their play calling... Clemson is very unique in terms of how they utilize their personnel on the field. They run a lot of 4-3 defense in terms of having four down defensive linemen and three linebackers that are out there, but they run this defense out of a 4-2-5 look. And I say this because they utilize linebacker Barrett Carter like they used to utilize Isaiah Simmons from a few years back. They'll set up linebacker Bear Carter on one side of the formation almost to be like an off-ball edge defender at times where he'll be sort of squatted down and just sitting there facing the backfield and will be maybe about halfway between that offensive tackle or tight end and the wide receiver if there's just one, let's say, on that same side of the field. But he'll also go into coverage sometimes and basically be their nickel corner. So needless to say, Clemson has a lot of trust in barrett carter and how they can utilize him in this defense and they love their linebacker unit as a whole because there's sometimes where they will have four linebackers and four defensive linemen on the field at the same time you do not see very many college football teams trot out eight guys essentially that could qualify as box defenders so to speak so again just tells you how much clemson loves the guys that they have in the front seven now In terms of their pressure and blitz packages, Brent Venables, when he was the defensive coordinator at Clemson, was known for dialing up constant blitzes on just about every other play while he was up there. But Wes Goodwin, the new defensive coordinator for Clemson, does not bring that same volume of blitzes into the game plan like Brent Venables did when he was there. He will call some weak side nickel and will linebacker blitzes at times, although that is an extremely rare occurrence even then. And... There is a certain unique package where Clemson will have all their guys just about on the defensive line sort of stand up where they usually are lined up as pass rushers and be standing next to maybe some of Clemson's linebackers that have slowly walked their way up right there onto the line of scrimmage. And in these kind of looks, they can end up maybe sending everybody and have it just be basically an all-out blitz. Or they can maybe send a linebacker and bring back a defensive lineman, or vice versa. So Clemson does a bunch of unique things in terms of that kind of look, but they don't usually bring that out unless it's a third and long obvious passing down situation. Now, in terms of their coverage, Clemson will not run a lot of man coverage in really any situation unless they're, say, maybe on a hash mark and it's third down and short for the opponent, and there was and there's a receiver down on the boundary side, or the shorter side, I guess, horizontally speaking, of the field, they will have a guideline of in man coverage on that wide receiver. Otherwise, it's pretty much all soft zone for the Clemson Tigers. Now, the thing about the amount of soft zone coverage that Clemson runs, this is pretty much the biggest thing that I think South Carolina fans are going to want to pay attention to on Saturday afternoon. And... Because of the fact Clemson runs so much zone coverage, that tells me a couple of different things. One, Clemson does worry about giving up some explosive plays. And I've mentioned this earlier in the week. Clemson still has some talent back there. Again, this is not to say that, you know, they got a bunch of guys that wouldn't start for the majority of other college football teams in America. That's not to say that. But Clemson does have some guys that maybe do not match uh maybe the talent level that they've had at cornerback in years past specifically And there's a lot of young guys in that defensive secondary, which means that communication sometimes might get a little bit twisted up. There might be some guys that don't know exactly what the coverage should look like against a certain look that the opponent gives them. So I think that Clemson's defensive coaching staff is essentially trying to protect that unit by having them line up farther back, which allows them to subsequently keep things in front of them and basically makes the top responsibility to be fundamental tackling. Make sure that when you have a one-on-one in the open field, you're bringing the guy down and you're not letting him shake loose to where you've got teammates that are all having to sprint from wherever they're starting at in order to try and make the play. The other thing that the frequency of soft zone coverage calls tells me about this Clemson defense is that at the same time, they do have a great deal of trust in their defensive front to pick up the proverbial slack from the secondary and and wreck a game against their opponent pretty much on their own. Hence, having seven or eight first and second level defenders on the field the majority of the time that Clemson is on defense. And when talking about some of these guys on the defensive front, I really took note of some names that might not get mentioned as much as some of the other guys that are really in the starting group, especially. Guys that are projected to be first round draft picks, and I'll get to that in a second. Defensive lineman Tyler Davis, who lines up on the interior, he's probably pound for pound the strongest guy on this Clemson defensive front. He is able to drive offensive guards back in the pocket constantly. I mean, collapses the pocket pretty much on his own. And then Clemson has another guy on that interior and Rook or Romero, which I promise you, I'm not just, you know, mispronouncing that name. That's actually how the name is pronounced, okay? So please don't give me, come me a little bit of slack with that one. But he is also really good in this aspect in terms of, again, just getting his hands on the offensive guard, driving them back, winning that one-on-one, and at least, you know, forcing the quarterback to have to maybe alter where they are at in the pocket. Now, linebacker Trenton Simpson, this is a guy that, of course, the national analysts talk about a lot when it comes to this defense. He is a pretty good linebacker. He is extremely good in terms of recognizing what kind of play is going on being in the second level, and he's also a very solid tackler. He's got very good sideline-to-sideline speed, so this is a guy that can cover a lot of ground very quickly, and he's very savvy and has a very high football IQ. Now, if you can get an offensive lineman on him, he will be a little bit outmatched in terms of trying to shed that block. But in terms of everything else, Trent Simpson has got Clemson pretty much smothered and covered in the linebacker core almost by himself. So yeah, Trent Simpson is going to be another guy to watch from this defense. Defensive tackle Peyton Page, in terms of reach blocks, say on zone blocking runs, he's pretty good at beating those reach blocks nine times out of ten. Now, Safcon, of course, doesn't have Marshawn Lloyd or Christian Bill Smith. More than likely, that's something that you will not see South Carolina do too much on Saturday afternoon, but still something to take note of in case South Carolina does have Lloyd or Smith available and thus run some of those zone run schemes. Defensive end, Miles Murphy, again, probably the most talked about defensive lineman out of the entire bunch in terms of his NFL potential. He is really good at shifting through blockers that he does not need to really worry about in order to get to the ball carrier, and he can flash in pass rush. So now that I've dove into all the details with Clemson's defensive scheme and the personnel that they field, can South Carolina effectively attack this defense? I think that they can. I think there's a particular plan that they should utilize on Saturday afternoon. And I'm going to dive into all of that in just a couple moments. But before I do, I do want to let y'all know that today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there at BetOnline. From football to basketball, soccer, World Cup's going on right now, United States drew with Wales in Game 1. And you can also find esports on there as well. BetOnline has got it all. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because Bet Online is where the game starts. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your team. Every single day in just 30 minutes. Alright, so, having talked about Clemson's defense now, how can the Gamecocks attack this defense? Well, the most important goal for the Gamecocks on Saturday should be trying to negate the impact of Clemson's front seven and subsequently force Wes Goodwin, Clemson's defensive coordinator, to adjust to that. And so, In order to accomplish this goal, there are two different things that I would do if I was in Marcus Satterfield's shoes. Firstly, I would prioritize a quick passing game on Saturday. With all the zone coverage that Clemson likes to run in this secondary, they are basically going to be begging for South Carolina to do something that they have really enjoyed doing a lot. Besides, ironically enough, the Tennessee game this past weekend, which has tried to attack the perimeter With a bunch of simple swing passes, some RPO type plays, some screen passes, and just let their guys try to go out there and get some yards after the catch. So any hitches, out routes, or quick screens that you have in the playbook, utilize these plays on Saturday. You can wear out Clemson's defensive front by making them run sideline to sideline constantly. And at the same time, you can also test Clemson's defensive backs by having them try to run up and have to make plays against guys like Jaheim Bell, Amarian Brown, Juju McDowell, and everybody else in this receiver core and tight end room as well. And if you have success with this part of the plan, the Clemson will have to start calling for their secondary to creep up some near-the-line scrimmage out of respect for the horizontal passing game. Most defensive coaches, when their defenses are getting gashed with little stuff like that, they it's almost like they develop an itch to where, you know, that they know that maybe they shouldn't scratch it because they know that the opposing offensive coaching staff will just make an adjustment off of their adjustment, but they can't help but scratch whatever's itching them either way. That's just the way that coaches are wired, whether they're defensive coaches or offensive coaches. So that is going to happen if South Carolina is able to really succeed with these perimeter passing plays. And if Clemson responds, like I just mentioned, then it will open up the rest of the playbook. And some of maybe these longer progressing plays that all of a sudden could potentially get past Clemson's defense because you've worn out Clemson's offensive front by making them run all over the place, not really give them any chance to rush Spencer Rattler. And you've also worn out Clemson's secondary subsequently because of the amount of running around they've had to do. So this leads us to my next point. When you have the chance to run some longer progressing passing plays, because obviously you can't run a bunch of swing passes and bubble screens all game long. You can't do that. When you do run those longer progressing passing plays, keep some extra bodies in the box. Six or seven man protection schemes. Those ought to do the trick due to Clemson's lack of blitz calls that they have overall in their defensive playbook, it seems. So Use Nate Atkins as an H-back once again. Again, I mentioned this after the Tennessee game. It was one of the more ingenious, subtle changes that Marcus Satterfield made in last weekend's game plan, which was to take that weight or burden of that responsibility off of Jaheim Bell's shoulders and put it on a guy that you know is really good and excels in blocking in Nate Atkins. Have him be back there as essentially the final protector for Spencer Rattler. So... You do that, listen, Clemson's defensive line might be really good. They're probably still going to have plays where they're going to at least collapse the pocket and Spencer's going to have to make some plays on the run or scramble to try to get some yards beyond the line of scrimmage. That's still going to happen at certain moments. But again, if you can really make them have to earn those opportunities to even get pressure, then South Carolina, you're winning the battle on offense already. The last thing I would do, in terms of your game plan on Saturday, I would call some bootleg and rollout passing plays. Move that pocket horizontally to a different area of the field, and if you do that, you will give Spencer Rattler automatically a bigger cushion to be able to stand there, look down the field, go through his reads, analyze You know where is his best chance to go make a big explosive passing play. Also, run some of those levels concepts that you ran last weekend. Saw that Marcus Satterfield had a lot more plays where there was a shorter route, an intermediate route, and a deep passing route. Continue to do this against this Tigers defense with all the zone coverage that they run. You're going to have somebody that's going to find some open space on the field if that is the case. So use these concepts once again. Carry that over from the Tennessee game plan over to the Clemson game plan. If South Carolina can do all the things that I just mentioned, there's no question they can score some points against Clemson's defense. Again, not sitting here and saying that they can score 63. Not going to sit here and say they can even score 45 or maybe even more than 38. But if South Carolina can accomplish all these things, look, 27-plus points in my eyes is not out of the question for this offense. I mean, after what we saw them do this past weekend— And with what I've mentioned with Clemson's defense, again, that defensive front is really good. But in modern-day college football, coaches can find ways to negate good pass rush. Now, of course, the running game is an entirely different story. Have to wait and see what the stats will be on Marshawn Lloyd and Christian Bill Smith. Coach Beaver mentioned at his Tuesday afternoon press conference that he is optimistic quote-unquote, that both of these guys will play this weekend. He also mentioned that both of these guys just flat-out told him, listen, uh, we don't care. We are going to play this weekend. Now, of course, the players can say one thing, but at the end of the day, it's up to the athletic training staff to make sure that they are actually healthy enough to be able to go in this kind of matchup. And even if Marshawn Lloyd and Christian Bill Smith can go, I do question just how effective they can be. I mean, they've missed a lot of time, both in practice and with all the game reps that they have missed out. So, if those guys were able to play, it's not like you can trot them out there and have them carry the ball like maybe almost 20-plus times in the game. It would be great for South Carolina to be able to have those guys as maybe decoys so that Clemson has to respect, you know, hey, it's third and short, Christian Bill Smith's out there, we got to stack that box. We, we can run some man coverage, open up some passing opportunities, by the way, if they do that. Marshawn Lloyd's out there. Marshawn Lloyd is, like Will Shipley, in the fact that he could do so many things for that offense. we got to make sure we have at least one guy on him at all times. Can open the door for opportunities for other people. That's where those guys can come into play with this offensive game plan. So, what are your thoughts on Clemson's defense? What do you think the Gamecocks should do to try to attack them? And most importantly... Do you think that South Carolina's actually coming into this game a little bit overconfident or cocky based on what some people have said online? I'm interested to get all of y'all's thoughts on all of this stuff down below in the comments section on YouTube, or you can send me a direct message on Twitter at line underscore SC, and I'll respond to it as quickly as I see it, and one last time... Don't forget to make the Locked On Sports Today podcast your second listen after, of course, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Thank you all once again for making us your first listen here today. I hope that you all have a great rest of your Wednesday. We will not have a show tomorrow. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. I think that that time should be spent being thankful for everything that we have in our lives, whether it be, you know, the things that we have, the job you have. And most importantly, the family and the friends that you have in your life. So, for that reason, there will not be a show on Thursday. But there will be a game preview of the Palmetto Bowl on Friday. So, do not worry. There is going to be a show that goes a little bit more in depth on what I think all will happen. It will be key for South Carolina to pull off another top five ranked upset on Saturday afternoon. Have a great rest of your day. I'll catch you all on the next show on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.